Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I think that also points to a little bit to why women like erotic romance over porn a little bit more because porn is a little more simple, right? And the stories are more involved and they're more elaborate. So that, that points to the, the natural distinction between porn and erotica. But. Just a quick note before this episode, if you've been listening for a while, then you know that I have a Patreon for this podcast. And in just over three weeks, it's my birthday. I have 35 patrons at the moment, and my goal is to have 50 patrons by my birthday. Part of the value of the Patreon, if you are a patron, is that you are contributing to keeping this podcast ad-free. I... have certain costs that I incur with the podcast and I would far prefer to have an active Patreon and have those covered um, by us as a community instead of by doing advertising. So if you like keeping this podcast ad-free, if you would like to support that and if you would like to keep it um, ungated so that everyone can have access to it, I would love to have you as a patron. And if you want to contribute to my birthday goal, that would be amazing as well. If you want to become a patron at a $10 a month level or more, you will also get access to our live Q&As monthly with me. So we just had one last week and we do those monthly. There will probably be one right around my birthday, which is October 11th. So um, if you want to contribute and you want to get on that, you can go to Patreon. Dear Men Podcast should come up right away. You should see that. That's pretty easy. And then I also wanted to share a celebration uh, for one of our clients for, um, for today before we get started. So this is from one of our men who was in a marriage and joined us after completing his divorce. He says, oh, and he attended our, our men's group retreat that we just did last, um, uh, earlier this month. He says, upon returning back to normal life from the men's retreat with Jason and Mel, my heart was wide open. I was way more in tune with my breath and my body more so than I ever have been in my life. I've been attending a single parents group. And this past week, I immediately noticed a new woman. She was a total babe, edgy, sexy, positive, flowy, and just like she was in a good place. One of the first things we did is go around and share a win for the week. I shared that I had just returned from a men's group retreat and had an amazingly deep and transformational experience. Being able to connect with myself, nature, and other men was really healing and helped me with some internal growth and struggles I've been experiencing. Throughout the meeting, I was very much in my body in a relaxed yet intentional way delivered through deep breathing. She and I met eyes numerous times, and I caught her smiling at me more than once. After the meeting, I held back until she was next to me, then started a conversation. We talked about some deep things, and it just flowed so naturally and beautifully that I felt right that it felt right to ask for her number. I told her something like, I know you just got out of a relationship, and you're likely healing from that and dealing with finding new employment, so if you don't want to give me your number, I totally understand, but I find you fascinating and captivating and would really like to get to know you better. Can I have your number? She was thrilled to give it to me. We texted back and forth later that evening and the chemistry was still flowing really well. I felt bold and courageous and asked her if she would be up for a lunch date the next day. She said, absolutely. I proposed a time and location and she agreed and expressed excitement to meet back up and see me. To be completely honest with myself, I have never ever made a connection with a woman the way I did that night. It was so natural, like it was just meant to happen. There was no hesitation, no fear, no doubt, just desire, movement, and action. Boom. Now let's get into the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. This is a super fun one. I'm really excited to have Ruin Willow with us. She is an erotic romance author and podcaster, a voiceover artist and blogger. And I was on her podcast. I'm excited to have her on my podcast to talk about all things erotica. What is life like as an erotica writer? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. And this is a favorite topic of mine. So I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. I think there's so much around the realm of sexuality and sensuality. And part of what I love about what you do is it just, it feels like a celebration of this part of ourselves that can be really wonderful. And, you know, there's 
a lot of trauma around it. And there's a lot of angst and a lot of difficulty around sexuality for a whole bunch of reasons. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of joy. There can be a lot of joy and pleasure and pleasure for its own sake. And it's just, it's, it can be a wonderful part of our lives. And I feel like you, you sort of embody that in your work. So I'm curious if you can um, bring us into your world a little bit in terms of you obviously were not always an erotica writer. What was it like kind of for you growing up or what was your journey like to, to kind of get to this point? Because I imagine there were some um, bumps along the way. Oh, absolutely. I, I was one of those kids that loved to read and write. Like I would grab a notebook even in elementary school and just like write a story. And so I wrote all through my life pretty much, but kind of off and on the amount that I wrote. And in about 2016, I started a blog under my real name. Ruin Willow is my pen name. And I wrote romance. I got a book contract for a YA romance novel. And they gave me another contract. And I really, I just loved writing romance. It's not the only thing I write, but I enjoyed it. And then COVID happened, <laughs> which the contract was for my second book with them that they would get out of the contract if we had a world disaster. And of course, when I signed the contract, I'm like, that's not going to happen. But of course it did. They still may publish it. But as I was writing romance, and I like to write, it was YA romance, which means it's like teenagers. I also like to write adult romance. And I just got to the point where I was like, I feel like something's missing from these stories. People have sex in real life and sex was not in these stories. And so I wanted to start writing romance that had sex in it because to me, that's real life. You know, it was reflective to real life. And, you know, I wasn't always just open about sexuality. Uh, I was probably one of those typical victims of shame and guilt and, you know, from my family, my mother, one particular instance with my mother, and also religion, society, culture, and all of that. But when I started this journey of writing erotica, my world completely changed and I became very open. I have grown so much. I think I started erotica, I kind of started my journey on Twitter, which people now call X, but most people still call it Twitter, even though it's officially X. <laughs> I started a, an account there just on a total whim. And it continued to grow, which grew into me creating a website, to starting to write stories, to creating the podcast, to then actually writing books and publishing them and becoming an audiobook narrator. Most of my audiobooks are not safe for work, but I do some also that are safe for work. So it's just really grown into what it is. And it's just been quite the journey. It's been wonderful. I love how open I am. I love how I've changed and I'm not so scared to be sexual anymore. I'm not scared of my sexuality or my sensuality. I am out proud and I am I am spewing it all over the internet, obviously, <laughs> and in audiobooks and in books. And I just absolutely love it. So it's been a journey, but there's definitely been bumps along the way, as you said. But I am so happy I am where I am. Yeah, I'm curious if you can take us back to you know, when you were starting out, um, did you have any fears about going in this direction? I, and, and I'm also curious just to hear, you know, you, you mentioned having some shame and having some, some mm -hmm. weirdness around the topic. And then that has, that has morphed into like, I'm out and I'm proud. Like I'm a sexual being, and this is part of this is part of my expression in the world. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, how did that just sort of happen naturally? Were there conversations you had with people or support that you got? Or was it just kind of like, wow, this feels a lot better than, than being repressed? Like, what was that journey like? Well, part of it was, so I usually don't often say my age, but when I hit my 40s, I started to not give a shit what people thought about me, which I think is a giant gift for women, especially as you age. We, we realize... We want to be who we want to be, and we are who we are, and we just start to not give a shit, which is basically what happened to me. And I really always have been a very sexual person, but very repressed for sure. But I just started to think, I want to do this. I want to do more. And things started to happen for me. Like, for instance, I got my first sex toy in my 40s. I didn't have a sex toy before that, right? So that was my first big blow, like, holy shit, what the fuck have I been missing, right? <laughs> now I have lots of sex toys. I probably have like 60. <laughs> I went the opposite way. But then also just 
expressing myself without shame. And then as I continue to do the podcast, I I really just learned so much. I talked to so many people who were experts in sexuality, people like you, people who are doctors, people who are therapists. I've talked to erotica authors, personalities, people who are out in like the alternative lifestyles. I mean, it's just as I feel like I've taken classes. I've talked to so many amazing people. And the more I talk to people, the more comfortable I get, the more open I am, the more open I am for everybody. I don't have these like judgments of people anymore. You know, not that I was really super judgmental before, but I was shaped by the United States culture. I mean, I too was shaped by this prudish shit we have lingering all around us, practically choking us off. But now I've shed that. And I think it's just been a journey for me too to just really be like, I'm okay. I'm okay that I'm like this. I'm okay that I'm a woman and I love sex. That's okay. You know, like, because <laughs> so many women, it's, it's you get this thing where it's like, if you like too much sex, you're a slut. If you don't like sex, you're a prude. And so all along this continuum, we are shamed. And that's a problem because we shouldn't be shamed for any of it. But in America, shame is like synonymous with the word American, in my opinion. That's just kind of the way it is, unfortunately. Yeah, I can relate to that. It's funny too, because I feel like our culture is hypersexualized, but then yes. it's, it's just a strange dichotomy. It's like it we, is. we think that we're more open than we are. And there's something weird yes. about that. There's something extra weird about, about it. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, so I'm I'm curious about a couple of different threads, but I think we'll start here, which is um <clears throat> there's a there's a large percentage of people that watch visual porn. Mm-hmm. There's a smaller percentage of people who read erotica. But mm-hmm. I, I guess as uh, someone who works with primarily with with men in mm-hmm. my in my work, something I've noticed is that a lot of my men, and these are mostly men who have sex with women, all ages, um, a lot of them report that erotica is their preferred turn on method that they don't mm-hmm. actually watch visual porn and I'm curious you know in terms of your audience and who's listening and everything do you have a sense of you know for a lot of people is this kind of like their first foray into erotica have they listened to erotica before they sort of like they have a whole suite because I think sometimes I've noticed that men who have sex with women are introduced to erotica and they're like oh wow this is actually really great and like kind of like better than visual porn because Mm. I think most people listening to this know this, but when you listen to something or when you read something, when you're reading a book or listening to something, more of your imagination is activated, more of your brain is activated than when you are visually Mm. watching something. So there's something about our our brains creating visual imagery in our mind that, Mm. that activates more. And so for a lot of people, they sort of report it feeling more overall satisfying, like more satiating or more like more whole. It's hard to put into words, but something just feels better than visual porn. So I'm curious if you can share a little bit about what you've heard from your audience and are you the first erotica they listen to? Are you just part of their, their, you know, world? How does that work? Well, first of all, I think that uh, erotica and audiobooks are immersive. Like you're more immersed into it. Whereas you're watching porn, you're basically spoon fed. This is what's happening. This is what these people look like. This is exactly what they're doing. It's so very finite. And erotica in audiobooks are more infinite. You can go different ways. Like you said, imagination. It's not so direct. It's more indirect. It's more evocative. It's more it involves your brain more, more your intellect, whereas porn is just more sexually arousing for the purpose of a climax. And I feel that many, I'm going to quote a stat. This is from this, a book from Sizzling Sex for Life. This is written by Michael Castleman, Castleman, who's been writing about sex for, I don't know, since like the 1970s. It's crazy. He's like in his 70s and he's still writing. But this is interesting to me. 75 to 85 percent of the porn audience is male and 15 to 25% is female. And then if you look over at romance fiction, just romance, not necessarily erotica, 85% of the audience is female and 15% is male. And I think part of that is because men are very visual creatures 
And the other thing is, it's more like socially acceptable, I think, for men to watch porn than to be like, oh, you're reading a foo-foo book, you know, like this is a romance book. However, I do have male listeners. And interestingly, a few anecdotes from male listeners, readers, is they got tired of porn. And so then they started to explore erotic romance. And they're like, oh, this is a whole different thing, right? This is a whole different experience. And so to me, that's really interesting to, to hear that majority of men do pick porn, but then they they want something different. They want something more. They want a story. They want to know the relationship. And we're we're relational creatures. So really that makes sense. Yeah, it reminds me of, I remember, so I do watch visual porn sometimes, not that Oh, I do too. I totally do. (laughs) But what I've noticed is it's so fascinating because I think all of us have the, like a scene from a movie that we found really, really hot, like really, Uh like big turn on. And it's interesting because a lot of those scenes, some of them are explicit, but most of them aren't. Most of them are just uh, like more tame or anyway. um, But because there was a relationship between the characters, because there was a story, Mm. because there was buildup, because there was tension, like Mm -hmm. the turn on in our bodies was so much greater than let's say visual porn where it's really explicit and there's really explicit acts being done, but the feeling state, it's like the buildup isn't there. So I think it's really important what you said about, the story element and having sensing the connection between characters and, you know, even if that's kind of like, um, what's it called? Antagonistic. Like if they like, don't love each yes. other, right? like, oh, they're so mad at each <laughs> other, but it's like, oh, yes. like they really want to do it. There's like so much like fun and like, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about non-consensual. I'm talking about like, oh, it's exciting. Right. You know, like, yeah, you can yeah. Tell, like they're, they're irritated with each other, but really they want to bang. And, um, uh-huh. <laughs> and I think that's really interesting too, just culturally what you alluded to, which is, um, what, what we're even exposed to, what we're even, you know, when I think when we think of romance novels, when I think of romance novels in the culture, I think of, uh, middle-aged housewives, like that's who's reading romance novels, but it's also interesting. And I would drop this in. I've said this on other podcasts, but I'll say it here as well. I think romance novels, as well as chick lit, there's a genre called chick lit that I love chick literature. Mm-hmm. And it's women authors, mostly writing for women. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have um, themes of romance. Mm-hmm. What I would say for any man who has sex with women is read a few of those books because oh, yeah. they, they they express the true longing that a lot of mm-hmm. women have about men and how men can show up, at least for people who have, you know, when opposite sexes have sex with each other. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something... Um, you know, we were talking about this on one of our calls was the idea of restraint. There's something yeah. really hot about a man who like really wants you, but for some reason can't have you or needs to hold himself back. I don't know why, but that is a very popular theme in a, in a yeah. lot of, of erotic fiction. Mm-hmm. And there's something in real life too, about just being aware of those archetypes and being able to kind of play with them as a man, I really, I just feel like it's a really good idea if you want to kind of get the inside scoop of like what, what's going on in our erotic longing world, <laughs> like read right. some chick lit, read some, read some women based, you know, women, uh, written erotica. Cause it's, it's, yeah, it's part of the landscape. Um, so two, two other questions, big questions I had. One is, um, I'm curious where you get your ideas for your stories. Are they from real life? Are they, do they just come to you in a dream? Like, how do you, how do you come up with your story ideas? Oh, both of those things happen to me. Um, and I've also had people also request specific storylines, which is fun too. So I have done all of those things, but I'm not one of these people that can't figure out what to write about. I have like a list of things I haven't got to yet. <laughs> so I have so much content. I have so much content planned. I'm very, I write very quickly as well. Like I can write 4,000 words in a morning. When I, if I sit down, I can write 4,000 words in a morning. Um, so I really, I don't know. 
I think that it, I think erotica is great, and I think that men definitely need to explore it. And, but I do have men that do it, and also that like to listen. Like men are like to also listen because they like sounds. They like to hear a woman's voice. So if you want to hear a woman spilling a story about sex, try an audio audiobook. There are so many erotic audiobooks out there that if you haven't done it, you've got to try it. And you can also do it with your partner. That's the other sexy thing. Do it with your partner. Listen with your partner. Read with your partner. Read to your partner. Have your partner read to you. There's so much you can do with it. It's just, it's a great tool to introduce your partner to things. And it's a great thing to just do it together to like is a form of foreplay. Yeah, definitely. And and I'm curious too, if you, you know, you mentioned this, I feel like this has kind of changed your life in a way. I mean, mm-hmm. very real way, but can you say a little bit about what dating and relationships have been like for you as you've made the transition from maybe perhaps more repressed to more expressed? Yeah, I definitely am more open in my relationships. And sometimes that works with people and sometimes it doesn't. And you kind of have to work through that. And if you can't find a spot that works, then, you know, then then that one has to, you have to move on from it. But it definitely has changed me. It's changed how I view relationships, how I view myself. I have more confidence than ever before in my life. I will definitely say that as well. I, I have way more confidence than I've ever had. And I'm, I know what I want. And I'm honest with myself. I don't hide from those things anymore. It's not part of who I am anymore. Yeah. Can you say a little bit more about what that that means in real life? Like what, what how, have you found that the people that you've attracted have been different or you've sort of ended relationships being like, okay, yeah, this isn't working for me maybe more quickly than you did before. Like what on a practical level has, have you found has shifted? Well, since also I am under a pen name, I haven't told, you know, a a giant portion of people who I know about what I do. And that's because people have opinions about it. Like you said, people, some people hear erotica and they immediately think porn and they're very different. So yeah, it has led me to let go of some people and it's made me more selective. You know, and I don't feel bad about not telling certain people. I tell them if it works. And if that ends our relationship, then it does. You know, like some people, you know, if somebody's very particularly jealous as well, that's that's kind of hard. I don't I don't think I would be as accepting of that now as I would in the past. You know, some people might be jealous because I'm writing something. Um, for instance, I've had that where someone was jealous because I was writing a story for a particular man who requested it and that like bothered him that I was writing something that was fulfilling this man's fantasy. And to me, I'm just writing fiction. I'm writing a story. And yes, it might get him off. It might get him aroused, but it's a story. Stories are meant to make us feel. So yeah, those kind of things have happened. And it really has taught me about what to look for and what not to look for in my close relationships, for sure. Well, that's an interesting, it's an interesting litmus test, right? Because it's like (laughs) a man is like, wow, that's really interesting and cool. And I Mm -hmm. I support you. Then that's sort of indicative of how open or right with his own sexuality he is. Uh Maybe there's a lot of knots or there's a lot of, there's some tightness or there's some tension around that. Then it's going to be more of an issue. Um, And it's interesting too, I was just reflecting on, yeah, there's a way that, you know, your work differs drastically from visual porn, for example. And one of the ways is you have more choice over who you tell and who you, yes, Mm -hmm. right. And, and, and that includes for, um, for work as well, like for, you know, just who you are in the world, being under a pen name and Mm -hmm. all of that. And, and, and I, I am curious if you can share just yeah, a few more of the the responses that you've gotten because I think that's an interesting window into you know most of my audience is is men. Like, what? How have men responded to you when you have told them what you do? If you have, I mean, it sounds like you haven't told everyone, but out of curiosity, who do you tell? Like, who who is it? Like, all right, I think maybe I can share this with this person, and then how has that gone? Yeah, it's totally been dependent on the person and the situation. And, you know, there's some people I know that are very closed off sexually. And 
I'm not going to tell them. Or people who I know are specifically judgmental. If I meet someone who seems really judgmental, I'm probably not going to tell them. But if, yeah, if I find someone and I can share what I do and they're like, cool, that's awesome. Like, you know, that's great that you're open with your sexuality and can create stories and write all this stuff. And if somebody else is not like that, it's to me, that's, yeah, it's a red flag. Like, I don't, I don't want that. And, um, yeah, it's definitely a, a litmus test. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit now about uh, genres. So I, I rem- so I haven't read that much erotica. I've read some some of it, and I've mm-hmm. also um, listened to some stories on Dipsy. I'm sure you're familiar with the, the mm, yes video porn app. Um, but there are definitely certain genres, and I, I remember one of the the ones that kind of amused me a little bit, but I also was like, oh, this is like kind of exciting was um, monster erotica. Oh so yeah. Mm-hmm. An entire, I don't know, for those of you that are unfamiliar with this, there is an entire genre, subgenre of erotica that is like a Yeti <laughs> or like mm-hmm. a monster or like a very large, usually furry being that uh-huh. like sometimes will like kidnap women or I'm also, I mean, I, I mostly have sex with men. So I have this, you know, sort of, heteronormative view, but there's all kinds of all of these. There's lots of different sexes happening. It does not just, the Yetis aren't just, you know, kidnapping women. <laughs> Using that as an example is what I want to say. Right, right. Um, but um, yeah, I'm curious, if, can you bring us a little bit into the world of erotica? There are certain sort of subgenres or archetypes that come up a lot. What are what are some of the, the popular ones? Yeah, there's definitely what you're talking about, a subgenre of that is it's like fantasy or sci-fi erotica. And it can be anything from an octopus, which people, you know, the octopus kind of thing is they have multiple appendages that can go in multiple holes. You know, there's there's different things that humans cannot do. There, um, I'm a part of a, the Femdom Coven anthology where there's all these different, you know, it's kind of like Halloween themed like where there's different types of sex happening where it's a creature, it's an incubus, it's a vampire, it's a witch, you know, all these different things. And alien erotica is also a thing. And the thing that's cool about those things is, first of all, people who like fantasy and and sci-fi, but the different things that can happen with those kind of creatures that can't happen from human to human. So that's intriguing for people. Like I narrated a book where it was two people that turned into um, panthers and then they would have sex as panthers and then they turn back into humans. So there's that kind of stuff that cannot happen between humans. There are multiple levels of erotica. Some people lump it all together and call it all smut. Smut is more close to porn, where it's going to have less story and more explicit sex scenes. And then you go to erotic erotica, which would be kind of in the middle. And then you have erotic romance, so it's going to have more romance. And then if you keep going up, you get to romance, clean romance, that kind of stuff. So there's a giant gradient, but... There is misconception. A lot of people think all erotica is smut. And some people see, they see a certain number of scenes, explicit sex scenes in a book, and they'll label it as smut. So there is a lot of misconceptions out there, but most erotic romance books and erotic are going to have some sort of story. It's the smut that doesn't. Um, Other areas that people enjoy are the hot wife stuff. People like uh, threesomes, multiple partner, of course, BDSM. Dom sub. What is the hot wife? What is the hot wife uh, subset? Okay, so hot wife is when um, a couple wants to engage in wife sharing, for instance. And so often it is this people do this in real life. People actually live this way. He wants to see his wife have sex with other people, and he may want to direct that. And direct that scene and give her pleasure. That just turns him on in particular ways. It turns her on. And then often there's a time where he will reclaim her as his sexual partner. So that's the whole hot wife thing. I'm actually narrating a a series right now for um, the author Lacey Cross, who does a lot of hot wife stuff. And so we just finished the first book of that. And it's, you know, it's so interesting how different things turn people on. Like, for instance, the whole cuckold thing. A lot of people are turned on by that. And other people are like, absolutely not. So, you know, there are so many sub-genres out there. Free use, um, medical erotica. I can't, I mean, I can't even list them all. There's so many. It's amazing how much is out there. Medical erotica. For everyone. 
Yes, like some people are turned on by like a doctor doing things to them or a dentist or, you know, somehow that all of a sudden turns sexual in their appointment, you know, like that's that they think that's hot, you know, so I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum. (laughs) Something really interesting I want to bring up here is the, the differences between, yeah, different people's erotic style. Um, mm-hmm. make some generalizations about men and women now, but it doesn't matter what sex you are. But one thing I did find interesting. So I used to run a discussion group about sex and relationships mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. We had, um, we had some queer folks. We had mostly folks who identified as straight men, mm-hmm. and straight women. And we did one of the topics, we did it by topic. One of the topics was sexual fantasies okay. and we had, we kind of went around the room and shared a fantasy. And, um, it was so interesting. First of all, one of the things that became very apparent was, um, the men in the room had significantly less complicated fantasies. So Ah, fewer people involved, there were fewer situations. It was simpler and it was mostly almost exclusively something they would do in real life. Okay. Fantasies were exciting scenarios that they would do. They might not have access to that person. So let's say it's like, I would have sex with Halle Berry, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And and that's what I, that's what I mean is a lot of when they were describing them, a lot of them were like, I have sex with Halle Berry. And And that's like it, right? There's no, (laughs) there's no like, there's no, you know what I mean? Like it's like, we do it doggy style and that's it. That's it. Right. (laughs) And so, but the women, would have much more involved and elaborate fantasies. And Mm. many of them would say, I wouldn't do this in real life, but I find it exciting. I wouldn't do this in real life, but I wouldn't do this in real life. But whereas the men would often say things like, um, there are, there are women that turn me on in real life, but I would never fantasize about them because it's too weird. It's too close to home. So for example, Mm -hmm. their best friend's partner, or yeah. someone at work or something that's like, oh, that's mm-hmm. like not allowed in real life. Therefore, I won't mm-hmm. go in my imagination. It was almost like a respect thing. Like, I don't, I choose not oh, to sure. engage mm-hmm. in that fantasy because I would never do it. So mm-hmm. I found it really interesting. And then this was corroborated by the book, My Secret Garden, which I'm oh, sure okay. you're familiar with. I've but, heard of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think it was written in the 70s, I want to say. I think Nancy Friday is the author, but she essentially collated a bunch of erotic stories, uh, fantasies. Women's mm-hmm. women wrote in letters, actual letters, because this was back okay. in the day. Yeah. Letters with their sexual fantasies. And she basically just published a bunch of them in this book. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like it really elaborate. And part of where I'm going with this is um forced sex, so non-consensual sex, is mm-hmm. high on the list of fantasies for a lot yeah. of women. Yep. Not something they would want to experience in real life. So right. I guess I'm just curious to hear from you as an erotica author, how much you 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 sense that is is true for yourself as you're writing, where you're like, because I bet some of the scenarios are like, this is really hot. And some you're like, this is really hot. And I would never do this. Or I would this right. I wouldn't want this to happen to me. But it's like kind of exciting. Like I thought that the the monster porn or the monster erotica was kind of exciting. But I was like, of course I wouldn't want to be kidnapped. <laughs> you know, like, I know, so, I know. <laughs> that dynamic a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think and I think that also points to a little bit to why women like erotic romance over porn a little bit more because porn is a little more simple, right? And the stories are more involved and they're more elaborate. So that that points to the the natural distinction between porn and erotica. But yeah, I some people think, and I think it's really interesting because I write in multiple genres and people look at erotica differently. They think everything I write is something I want to do. And I always say, it's not true. That character is doing that. That character is enjoying that. That I'm still writing stories. I'm not saying that I don't draw from my own life. I do draw from my own life when I write, but I also draw from my fantasies and I also draw on things I've read about that I definitely don't want to do. So it's it's funny though. Everybody looks at erotica differently. And I don't know why that is. Maybe they just want me to like everything, or maybe they want they just think that if I'm gonna write about it, it's something I want to do. 
but they don't realize that I'm still an author. I'm still writing a story. And Stephen King doesn't want to go around murdering people, right? We hope. I mean, you know, like that's that's silly. You know, I, I <laughs> he hasn't gone around murdering people. He hasn't turned into monsters and weird clowns that hide in sewers. I mean, it's silly, you know. So <laughs> I don't know. People I don't know why people treat it differently. Maybe because sex is personal and it's very personal. But and I oh, I wanted to mention one thing too about the uh, consent, non-consent being taken. I think for women, at least for me, that is something that actually is more about the passion, the more about being the rapture, the more being ravaged. Be like, I must have you. Like you're do anything. Like there's just this huge passion for that woman. And I think that's what a lot of women like. The fact that that man would do anything to get you. And of course, nobody wants to be raped or attacked or assaulted in any way, shape, or form. But that passion is is so exciting, I think, for a lot of women uh, that that's what it's about, in my opinion. And I would imagine that that's reflected in a lot of, of mm-hmm. erotica, particularly erotica written by women. And correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that the majority of erotica is written by women. More women are writing erotica than men. Is that right? That's true. That's true. And I have had men say things to me like, if I wrote that, everybody would think I was a pervert. You know, so like there's a different lens people put on. And it's really not fair. I have seen men who write erotica that use a female name because they don't want to get labeled and they don't want to get attacked for, you know, hey, you're a pervert. You're you're writing this. You're you're just some kind of freak, you know. So unfortunately, our, our culture does do that. But you know, I think writing, the the great thing about erotica too is that you can explore things you may not want to do in real life. You can read about things that you maybe wouldn't do, but you still kind of get to experience it because your brain is going through the motions of that alongside a character. So I think that's the beautiful thing about erotica is you can do things there that you can't do anywhere else. Yeah. Thank you. So thank you for speaking to that, the difference between how men and women are viewed, particularly around sexuality and particularly, I think, in North America. I think yes. that other cultures are are less repressed because I do think a lot of my my men have experienced double standards like that and it isn't mm-hmm. fair. And it's it's not up a name and that is that is part of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um I also wanted to go back to the yeah the experience of being taken. I think that's mm-hmm. such a that is such a turn on and it's such a theme. It's such a um what's the word? It's so common in a lot of erotica and erotic romance, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. And what I, one thing, one thing I've noticed is, um, cause I do, so I read, I would say I read a lot of erotic fiction. I read less erotica, like straight mm-hmm. up more sure. erotic fiction. And it's interesting cause there's this, there's this really common dynamic where like the man really wants you and he, there's some reason he can't have you, right? Like there's, mm-hmm. there's some reason and yeah. then reason sort of, you know, gets dealt with in a way where it's like, all right, well, I'm just, I'm going to take you, but there's an underlying sense of like, but I'm still listening for your no. I'm still, yes. listening for your no. like, I'm still like, I'm still present. I'm still here. I'm still tracking. Like I'm taking you, but if you, if you say no at any point, like I'm going to stop, like you can feel it in the way that it's written mm. um, most of the time. And there's some, that's what I mean about restraint. Like there's something hot about a man being like, I must have you. And also you're still a person. Like, yes. Oh, totally. It's not like there's some kind of sex zombie that can't be in the moment and read their partner. There's still a safe word potential. There's still, Hey, she looks like she doesn't like this. I'm going to stop. They're not just like this robot who's just going to go fucking yeah. everything or that, you know, just attacking her, <laughs> fucking her, you know, like it's, it's not like this mindless thing. And, you know, I think porn can be a little bit mindless, but I still like porn. I I still do watch porn. So I can't poo-poo it completely because I watch porn all the time too. So I think it depends also on your mood and what you're, what, yeah, what you're in the mood for. And some people can't be turned on by porn. I get that. But some people can do both porn and erotica. I, I keep wanting to say this quote, which I think is really good 
I have to read it because I don't have it memorized. (laughs) This is what Gloria Steinem said about erotica. She said, erotica is as different from pornography as love is from rape, as dignity is from humiliation, as partnership is from slavery, as pleasure is from pain. And I think that's really true. I think she really nailed that because they aren't the same, even though a lot of people do view them. Some people who don't participate in either kind of lump them all together. Like I told a girlfriend that I uh, that I was writing erotica and I said, this is my podcast. And she goes, oh, you're doing porn? And I said, um, no, I'm not having sex on screen. <laughs> that is not. <laughs> so like there's that perception out there that they think if you're writing about sex, but see, that's a total different thing. The written word versus actual visual doing. Yeah. You're totally different. Yeah. And and to your point, you know, you can do, there's so much creativity and so much mm-hmm. expansive potential in, in erotica, like you pointed out, you know, octopi, octopuses. Like, yes. <laughs> you can't, I mean, you can't, you can't, there's no, <laughs> you know, that part about feeling the feelings behind it, right? Like the feeling of mm-hmm. or the feeling of that's really why it's so popular is we yes. get to feel a certain way without mm-hmm. necessarily having that physical experience. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's another reason why, you know, one of the, the many, many of the themes around, let's say non-consensual sex in, in the erotic imagination of women. I think that part of, part of the draw is like, oh, I don't have to choose. Yes. I don't have to make the choice. I don't have to Uh manage. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to like all of the kind of doing and figuring out. And, you know, in my work, we talk a lot about polarity and there's Mm -hmm. polarities, alpha and omega and alpha. When you're in alpha, whoever you are, whatever sex you are, you know, you're doing, you're thinking, you're planning, you're executing your, you know, your, your, yes you're doing this. And that's very much what our culture is. Our culture is very alpha and we have to spend a lot of time there to be capable, resourceful adults. Like most of our time is actually probably spent in alpha. And Uh Omega is much more like receiving and flow and being in the moment and, and allowing and receptivity. And just our culture does not make a lot of space for that, for that space, right? Indigenous cultures did a lot more with that and trained people on it. And it was a part of their lives. Our culture doesn't make a lot of space for that. So in my, in my experience, part of the sort of like, oh, I'm just taken, right? Like the pirate is just taking me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, there's a certain <laughs> amount of like, this is so relaxing. Like, I don't have to mm-hmm. think about yes. what to do next. Like I am, I am being done too. And there's yeah. actually something soothing about that. Not necessarily that I would want that in real life, although I do think that with consensual partners and and talk about about it, I do think that that experience is something that a lot of women crave of being taken and having yeah. things done to them because it's like, oh, I can just relax. I can just surrender. I don't have to make the choices for a while. I don't have to figure it all out. I don't have to determine where or when or how or what or like I just get to be and like receive and like be sort of like played with almost. Yeah, right? yeah. And that's, that's the only thing, but yeah. Can you say a little bit about that? Cause that, that feels relevant. I'm wondering if that's, is that a theme in your erotica? What do you think about that? Absolutely. I mean, that's basically the Dom sub phenomenon. And I write a lot about that. I enjoy writing it. I think it's fantastic. And so many people, because of the big book that came out, have the misconception about what it really is. And actually, it's the sub that has the full control because the sub is what decide who decides what's going to happen. They give their permission for everything. And the Dom is more like the director, the more directing what's going to happen in the sexual experience. You know, it's, she's, and often it's a woman, not always, a sub can be a man. They are the one who is receiving, as you say, and being done to and given pleasure. Not that the, uh, not that this dom doesn't have pleasure, but it's more directed and, and more submitting happens where the sub will submit to what the dom will do any particular moment. But they've already talked about this and they've already decided 
what is okay and what's not. And even if they decide all this stuff, which they should talk about anyways, there's still a safe word. You know, at any moment, okay, I said I wanted to do this, but I changed my mind. I'm going to say my safe word, monkey. I just used monkey in one of my stories. So that's why it's in my head. <laughs> the safe word was a monkey. And so it's something that you wouldn't normally say in that situation. So it can't be misconstrued as accidentally saying something, you know, like, <laughs> you know, you don't want it to be like penis or something. Cause you might be saying, I love your penis. And then you say penis and then it stops. No, 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 no. That's to be something totally like weird. And so that phenomenon, the power exchange, I really like to write that. And I've done it in a lesbian novel. I do it in, you know, male-female situations where it's heterosexual. Uh, the only thing I haven't written is gay-gay, gay or a gay man uh, in that type of situation. But I, I have read it before. So I know it's a really enjoyable thing. People really like that particular power play dynamic. And I think it's a fantastic thing to explore in erotica, in audiobooks, and in real life if people want to and you don't have to do it 24-7. You know, you can do it for a night. You can do it, hey, let's do this. You know, it doesn't have to be your full life. I know some people do the 24-7 thing, which I don't understand how they can do that particularly. That's a bit extreme, but... Oh, you mean subdom dynamics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Some people do 24-7 dom sub, and I don't know how people can do that, but... Yeah. No, it doesn't have to be that way. You can do it here and there. Do it in one evening to, you know... Maybe you do it when you have sex, but it doesn't mean you have to do it that every, that way every time either. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, you know, as we're starting to to wrap up here, um, what are people writing into you? What I'm curious about the response that you get to your work. I imagine a lot of like, thank you for this. This is like a great part of my life. What do you find? Like, who's writing in? What are they saying? I know that's a big question, but <laughs> yeah, I usually the people who write in are usually people who like what what I'm doing. If, you know, people on the podcast, I might get some negative reviews, or people are like, I have haters. There's no doubt about it. I have haters, <laughs> but things that people like are my storyline. They like how I write. Particularly, you feel like you're immersed in the moment and the story as it's unraveling. Like you're really there. That's what some people say. I feel like I'm really there in your stories, and people like my. Some people like the variety. I don't just stick to one thing. Like some writers might write only hot wife. You know, like I would be bored with just writing one topic because my interests in sexuality aren't that narrow. So I would find it hard to write 50 books about being a hot wife. You know, like that would be, I would find that a stretch. And I think at some point it wouldn't become fun anymore because it's just kind of like a formulaic thing. Okay, I'm going to change this piece and that piece, but it's still the same dynamic. Like I... So I like it when people tell me that kind of thing. And I I enjoy when when people give me reviews. People review my audiobooks too. It's really fun. I love doing different types of audiobooks. Anything from BDSM spanking all the way up to I do another unusual one that I've done quite a bit of is the giant test stuff, which is also actually a form of Dom sub power exchange as well, because The woman may be growing to 100 feet tall using the little man as a dildo. I mean, there's so many different things that you can do. I think it's amazing how many different types of erotica are out there. I mean, honestly, when you think about it, it can can get picked on by people saying, oh, it's just sex. But there's so much out there. And if you have a a kink, a fetish, you are going to be able to find erotica on it. Just go look because it's out there. Yeah, that's a great place to to wrap up. So where can people find find your podcast and your work and um and what are you excited about coming up? Well, uh my podcast is Oh Fuck Yeah with Rue and Willow. It's all across different podcast apps and it's also on the Roku Roku TV and the Planet X Network. It's all the Fire TV. Planet X Network powered by Pod Nation, and that is something that is does video and audio, so you can see it on TV. It has videos. And then I'm also on the Full Swap Radio Internet radio station, so my podcast appears on there as well. And my books are sold all across the internet, audiobooks and uh, ebooks, paperback. So just I'm on most sites. So I have something on most sites. So if you search Ruin Willow on a site, you'll likely find me. And my website is ruinwillowauthor.com. 
And what am I excited about? Right now, I'm just starting to work on the audiobook for my book, Never Say Never Swing, which is about two couples that are friends, and then they 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 start to explore into swinging with one another. And it's a huge challenge because I'm I'm doing the thing again, which I've done before, where I combine multiple voices in one book, which takes quite a bit of time. <laughs> so I'm the main narrator, and then I have two male parts. And then I have Ray Richmond, who is a new person out there. She's actually one of the top OnlyFans, and she's 56. She's doing this at 56. She's an OnlyFans top model. All of a sudden, she decided she wanted to do this in her life. So she's going to be one of the female characters too. So that's currently what I'm working on. Otherwise, the Lacey Cross one, sharing his adventurous wife, the itty bitty vixen. That's the one that's about gonna. That's the next audiobook that will come out of mine. Hot wife. It's a hot wife story. The itty bitty vixen. I love uh, that. <laughs> the itty bitty vixen. It was super fun to play too. <laughs> I also I love the part about the giantess, meaning like a yes. giant, giant woman, and mm-hmm. it's just fun. I just I think that's part of what I really appreciate about erotica. Is it's it's fun. It's it fun. Is. Interesting. That author is Amber Collins. She has so much content out there. If you're interested in this growing and shrinking size erotica, check her out. She is so prolific. It's. I think she said to me the other day, she's got like 400 audiobooks out there. That's a lot. And just so I understand, and I think most people know this, but my my experience, my understanding of erotica is a lot of them are relatively short stories. They're sort of like novellas. When you're saying the word audiobook, it's it's not like other audiobooks, a full-length one. Is that correct? There's both. Like, for instance, My Magic and Her Kisses, I think, is about seven hours. So that's a full-length novel. But there are a lot of shorter erotic fiction, and people like that because they like the short stories. So that is a common theme, but they aren't all short. I know I have in my neighborhood, Sex Secrets, that one of mine is even longer. That's probably end up being an eight-hour audiobook. But I also have short ones where I do like an hour. It's an hour audiobook. So there's a huge range, whatever you want. If you want something short, there's a ton out there. If you want something long, there's there's a bunch out there too. So it's not uh, it's not strictly one size fits all. <laughs> Excellent. Well, get out there, guys. 